Good morning, everyone. Welcome to our service this morning. It's good to see so many here. And welcome to everyone at home. And a special, special welcome to our new man on the pulpit, <laughs> Reverend Mark Shaw. Mark, it's great to see you up there. I know everyone in the congregation is relieved. I can tell you, I'm relieved. <laughs> I want to also say a word of welcome to Elaine and David who are sitting up here at the front. Good to see you in church this morning. Thank you for joining us. Uh, yesterday's meet, uh, service was streamed, and Tom tells me this morning that we've had 480 people looking in on that uh, recording of that service yesterday. So that's a huge number uh, and a great encouragement to all of us. Now, this morning, I want to say a few words of thanks. I want to thank everyone who contributed yesterday. Uh, the preparation group that met, uh, we had our meetings, we planned it as well as we could, and I want to thank everyone in that group. But I also want to thank Muriel and the huge team of people who helped her to provide the refreshments. They were here on Friday afternoon, they were here yesterday morning, they were here till late last night. I'm not sure if they got home to bed or not. But I want to acknowledge the great effort that they put in because it was quite superb, and I thank them for it. What else? Yes, I agree. I want to also thank everyone who worked so tirelessly in the background. The number of things that were done around here in preparation for yesterday, you would hardly believe. And if I start to go through them, there's a certain day I'll overlook something. I'm not going to go through them individually because people know what they did. But I just want to say what you did has been greatly acknowledged, and I thank you for it, and I know I thank you on behalf of the entire congregation. And finally, the Commission were here yesterday, our thanks to them, retrospectively, as was done yesterday as well, and to Colin for all that they did in helping us over the last 14 months. So it's thank you to all of them. Now, I want to move on. The offering at Services of Installation and Ordination goes towards the Student Bursary Fund for the training of ministers. If you would like to make a contribution to it, there are these little envelopes that you can do so, and you can do so over the next couple of weeks. Isabel has the envelopes, and she will gladly give you one, and you can make your contribution in that, and uh, we will see that it goes towards the, the training of our new ministers. And we all know that the Presbyterian Church has more vacancies than it has ministers. So this is our chance to support that great cause. Thank you. And uh, if you didn't get an order of service yesterday. There are some at the back, and you can certainly pick one up this morning and have it as a memento. The last thing I want to say is, next Sunday is communion service, and I'd love really to see all of you back here then. Mark, welcome. It's all yours. Thank you. Thank you very much, Billy. I thank you, folks, and I'm looking forward so much uh, to getting to know you over the next months and years. And uh, thank you very much for the reception that I've had so far from so much kindness, so many people coming and calling and giving us uh, lots of food, which we've thoroughly enjoyed. And uh, I really we feel blessed and we're excited to be here. Um, let me just uh, start our service by reading Proverbs 3, verses 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Let's pray a moment. Father, we want to still our hearts this morning before you. There's been a lot going on over the last uh, day and so, or so, and, and Father, a lot to take in. And Father, we want to just come before you and acknowledge that you are with us, that you're here with us, that, Lord, that any obstacles in our lives you can use for opportunities. Father, we pray that we would come and put our trust in you this morning. Lord, we pray forgive us for sins that we have committed, for things that we have failed to do. Lord, forgive us for times that we have spoken out of turn and hurt others. 
We want to come, Lord, this morning and ask for your forgiveness. And Lord, bring us close to you this morning. We welcome you to our service this morning. May you be in it. May you be glorified in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're going to start with, uh, Father, I place into your hands. And you might be coming this morning, and you might feel a wee bit burdened. You might feel a wee bit worried and concerned about 2022. Hand it over. Hand it over. Father, I place into your hands. He's big enough, and he's able enough to look after you. Okay, Billy. to read Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. It's part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, uh, telling us not to worry, uh, to put our trust in him. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow was thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I'm going to come down a wee bit for the boys and girls and grannies and grandas and all the kids at heart. Okay, so uh, I want to go through that wee passage a bit. Now, boys and girls, your mum and dad must love you immensely. Do you realize that? Do you understand that? That whenever they first saw you, when you were born... They just fell in love with you. It was just so natural. They couldn't help themselves. They just fell in love with you. They love you so, so much. Well, so we bit, it's a bit like that with God, only God loves even more than your mom and dad. God loves you. And it's so, so natural. It's incredibly natural. And because it's natural, it's natural also that God would care for you and want to protect you and want to look after you. 
And that's, that's the context uh, that, that we're looking at this morning, that it's natural for God to love you. He can't help it. It's his nature. Now, back in biblical days, now, back in biblical days, there were people worried about different things, but there were two main worries. One was, how am I going to feed my family? And two was, how am I going to clothe my family? And these were the two things. A bad harvest could be devastating for everyone. And so people worried about this, and they were concerned about this. And Jesus knew what the worries were. And he said, do not worry. Why should you not worry? Because God loves you. Because my Father in heaven will take care of you. My Father in heaven will look after you. Do not worry about a thing. Now, he said Jesus was, was actually on the sermon, teaching on a mountain, and he turned around and he probably saw some birds. He says, look at the birds of the air. They don't worry. They don't worry about where they're going to sleep that night. They don't worry about stacking up grain for them to feed throughout the, the year in case there's a famine. They live day to day. And we can learn a lot from the birds. They live day to day. They trust that my heavenly Father will feed them. And he will. He'll look after those things. And then Jesus goes on and says, can you even grow now, boys and girls, you will grow over the next years. I've, I think I've done all my growing, but you will grow over the next years. You'll get taller and taller. And Jesus says, can worry? What can worry do for you? It can do nothing for you. It can't even help you to grow 18 inches. One cupid is 18 inches. It can't even help you to grow. Worry does nothing. And I'm sure mums and dads, I'm sure everybody can agree with that this morning, that worry in your life does nothing except make you miserable. And Jesus says, do not worry. Because the context is here, my Father loves you. The context is here, because he loves you, it's natural to protect you. It's natural to care for you, to look after you. And so Jesus says, look at the birds. Take note of the birds, how my Father looks after them. Are you not of much more value than the birds? Of course you are. Of course you are. Worry does nothing for you. Um, and he's, as he's standing there, there's probably some very beautiful flowers on the mountain that he's speaking from. And uh, there are possibly lilies growing. And he says, consider the lilies. Consider the lilies. You worry about clothing your family. Consider the lilies. Do they sit and spin or knit or do tapestries or clothe themselves? Yet look how beautiful they are. And yet they're thrown into the fire the next day when they, when they die. And Solomon, now King Solomon was one of the richest kings ever to live anywhere. He was so rich and his garments were so incredibly beautiful with gold and silver and beautiful different colored threads. And yet Jesus says, the lilies of the valley that my father clothes are clothed even greater and more beautiful than King Solomon himself. So Jesus says, do not worry about tomorrow. Do not worry. Give it over. Father, I place into your hands. Give it over what you're worrying about. Often we miss today. Often we miss the enjoyment of today because we're worried about tomorrow. And then when tomorrow comes, we worry about then. We miss the joy of that day because we're worrying about the next day. And worry does nothing for you. He says, trust my Father. Trust that He naturally cares for you, just like your parents loved you, just like your parents care for you. My Father will care for you. And you can trust Him in that 100%. Now, uh, instead, he says, what you should do, instead of sent all your mental capacity being exhausted by worry, he says, instead of that, start to think about the kingdom of God. Start to think about seeking first the kingdom of God. Now, that's a strange term. What, what's that? What does he mean there? Well, every kingdom needs a king. And Jesus is the king. We're told Jesus is the king of kings, higher than any other king. And he says, he's saying, seek me. Seek me. Find out what I have for you today. Don't be worrying about tomorrow. Find out what I have for you today. I have so much for you today. Seek me. 
And he says, everything else, all your needs, not necessarily your wants, all your needs will be added on, will be given unto you. So he says, do not worry about tomorrow. Do not worry. Take your worries like a, a, a rucksack and leave them before the Lord. Just leave them there. Don't pick them up again. Leave them there and enjoy the day. Enjoy Jesus today. Okay, so we're, we're going like, uh, to sing um, I Need Thee Every Hour. Okay, we're going to stand and sing that together. And, and let's just acknowledge that all of us, whether we're young or old, we do need Christ. And it's learning to be not so independent in ourselves, so dependent on ourselves. Being dependent on God is what is key this morning and every day. Okay, let's stand and sing. Think the boys and girls go out to Sunday school now? Is it all right? Let's pray. We're just going to pray for Christ's presence among us in our own personal lives, but also in the life of the church in the days ahead. Christ be with me. Christ within me. Christ behind me. Christ before me. Christ beside me. Christ to win me. Christ to comfort and restore me. Lord Jesus Christ, please be with us. Go before us. Come behind us. Cover us entirely in your presence. Lord, we need you each day. We need you each month, each year to direct our paths. God, may we not be tempted to go one step ahead of you, but to always follow one step behind you, following your lead in all that we do. Our prayer this morning is that, as we may, that we may honor you in everything we do, that we may exalt your name in our personal lives and in this place. And through this, we pray that you may, you may draw men and women to yourself. 
Father, we come in, in total abandonment, in complete surrender. We lay our lives on the altar before you as living sacrifices in your service and for your glory. And we say together as your disciples within Ballycrocken, we, pray, we say together the Lord's Prayer as you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. I want to sing uh, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. Just before we do that, um, you know, whenever we're talking about the love of God, you know, often it'll go in there, but not in there. And we need to try. I find myself often the truths of God go in there, but don't go down to there. And have a wee saying where I want the truth of God to go into my mind for me to understand it, for it to travel into my heart and then into my feet that I might live it out and walk it. And I know from my own experience and from my own meeting people, they understand. You tell them God loves you. God is really concerned with every detail in your life. God cares about your worries and your fears and your anxieties. And, um, and that is true. And often we've heard it so many times that God loves us that it goes there, but it goes off. We need to get it from there to there and realize that God loves you with all his heart. God loves you with all his heart and wants to protect you, care for you, look after you. So let's, let's reflect on that as we sing how deep the Father's love for us.
like to read with you now uh, Matthew chapter 11, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 uh, to 30. Matthew 11, 28 to 30, come to me, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray a moment. Father, thank you for sending Jesus. And Jesus, thank you that you came. And we pray, Holy Spirit, won't you teach us more about his lovely name. Amen. Billy Graham once was invited to meet Sir Winston Churchill. And uh, Sir Winston asked him, do you have hope? Billy, do you have hope for this world? After two world wars, Churchill seemed to have lost all hope. And Billy Graham he opened his Bible and he began to read the promises of God and Scripture and share Christ uh, with Sir Winston Churchill. I wonder, do you have hope for 2022? Perhaps 2021 has knocked the wind out of you a bit. Perhaps you're struggling going into this year. And uh, perhaps you've lost hope. Perhaps you've got tired hoping. Viktor Frankl uh, was a, a renowned psychiatrist in, Austri in Austria, and he was Jewish. So as the, as the, the war hit, um, it changed his life. 1942, just nine months after marrying his wife, Frankl, uh, he and his family were sent to a concentration camp in Czechoslovakia. His father had, had died there, died there of starvation and pneumonia. 1944, Frankel and the surviving members of his family, they were taken to Auschwitz, where his mother and brother, they were gassed. His wife died later of typhus in Bergen-Belsen. Frankel himself spent a total of three years in four different concentration camps. In his book, which I really recommend, it's called Man's Search for Meaning, he quite honestly and candidly points out that, uh, about other Jews in, in camps, how they tried to survive. And many Jews eventually died, and some of it he puts down to they just lost hope. They just lost hope. And some of those that survived, he said, survived partly because of conversations they used to have late into the night, and the talk about what they would do when they would get out of outfits, what they would eat, what they would cook, the lovely food they would have and share together. It gave them hope. And as you can imagine, in concentration camps such as Auschwitz, hope is, uh, the hopelessness of folk is overwhelming. But Frankl, Frankl survived the Holocaust, and out of his wealth of experience, dealing with so many people in his line of work, he writes this. He says, clinics are crowded with people suffering from a new kind of neurosis, a sense of total and ultimate meaninglessness of life. And as we look around at life, as we look around, we see many people who, who feel empty. We see many people who feel a deep sense of loneliness. We meet many who carry a deep sense of guilt in their lives. Many who feel very insecure and Jesus in this passage speaks to all of these things and he provides hope. He provides hope. This morning I want to look at, at three imperatives, three commands which Jesus gives uh, in this passage. First of all, come. Come. Secondly, take. And thirdly, learn. Verse 28, come to me, all you who are weary, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know, it's an invitation, invitation to his listeners that are listening um, to him, but through those listeners today, we, it's an invitation to us, to each of us. Come to me. 
But uh, uh, let me just make it clear, he's not inviting those to come who have a carefree life, those who aren't struggling at all. He's talking to people who are struggling, where life is tough, where life has kicked them in the teeth. And uh, he says to them, if they're poor or, or if they're tired, come to me, come to me. If you're weary, if you're burdened, if you're hurting, come to me. Many things in life can make us weary. Many things in life can be a burden to us, can, can knock our joy and try to steal our joy. But one particular thing I believe Jesus is speaking about here in this particular passage is religion, the burden of religion. Matthew 23, verse 4, he speaks to the vast crowd who are listening to him, and he refers to heavy burdens. He refers to heavy burdens, and these are to do with religious burdens. He speaks of the Pharisees, who were the religious, staunch religious leaders, and he says that they bind heavy burdens on people's shoulders and lay them on their shoulders. Jesus is criticizing them for putting a lot of rules and a lot of regulations, religious rules and regulations, on shoulders. So someone, for example, who wanted to deepen their relationship with God, and they'd come to the religious leaders, they'd come to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees uh, would advise the man to, or the woman to, to place their good deeds on one side of the scale and their bad deeds on the other side of the scale. And then they would try and lay more rules and regulations to try and boost their good deeds. So the man would go away feeling even more burdened, not knowing, do I have enough good deeds to outweigh the bad deeds? And so the man's burdened all the more to try and be more religious. You know, Jesus speaks of religion and he says, come to me, away from the stodgy, heavy rules of religion. Come into a relationship. Come into a relationship. Come to me. You know, when you think of Jesus, he goes to Peter, finds him fishing off the coast of, of Capernaum. Follow me. Start your relationship. He comes to Matthew, and Matthew's working away as a tax collector in his booth. Come on, Matthew. Start your relationship. He comes to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is up the tree. And Jesus says, come on down. I'm going to go to your house for a cup of tea. Relationship, not religion. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are burdened. Come from religion into relationship. You know, I remember bringing my school report home, uh, term in, term out, and there seemed to be like one phrase that many teachers used was, uh, Mark could do better. <laughs> Mark could do better. And Mark could do better. It just kept coming, you know, and I think it was probably right for them to put that in to try and get me to work a bit harder. Um, but that's what religion tends to say to us. You need to do better. Mm, you need to do better not doing well enough. You need to do better if you're going to see heaven. You need to do better. Otherwise, you'll see a no entry sign when you go to be in heaven. You need to do better. You know, a religion can be a system which puts Jesus very much on the sidelines and puts man's efforts in the center and says, you got to do better. You got to do better. But Jesus says to me, come to me just as you are. Come to me with all your feelings and your faults and the mistakes you've made and the messes you've made in your life. Come to me and I will give you rest. No matter what your burdens are, Jesus doesn't want you to carry them alone. He says, come and have rest. What is rest? Sure, everybody wants rest, don't they? You know, you can have a load of goods, you can have a fancy car, a fancy home, but if you don't have peace in your heart, if you don't have that, 
it doesn't really suffice, does it? What is rest? Expressed negatively, it's, it's the absence of uncertainty. It's the absence of fear. It's the absence of anxiety. Don't we all want that? It's the absence of despair. Expressed positively, rest is peace of mind. It's peace of heart. It's forgiveness. It's assurance. It's God giving us a new start. It's hope in facing tomorrow. Jesus calls us to come and find rest. Within that relationship, we find Jesus. We find Christ. He is our hope. A right relationship with Jesus Christ brings rest. The second command that Jesus gives is take. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest. He doesn't say you might find rest. He says you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, I tend to think of rest as being something like lying by the pool in Spain or somewhere, and that's just chilling. But instead here, it comes from a work order. Jesus gives a work order. Take my yoke upon you. You know, when I was a child, I didn't understand this passage because I, I, the yoke I understood was when my mum made me a boiled egg and I liked eating the, the yellow bit and I didn't like the white bit. You know, but later, as I've grown up, I've, I understand that in the New Testament, Jesus is talking here about a wooden cross piece that's placed upon the shoulders either of a person or of a couple of oxen and it's to distribute the weight, distribute the pressure over the two people or over the two uh, oxen. Um, And it's very possible that Jesus in his own father's carpenter shop made these yokes as a carpenter. There is a tradition that says that uh, over Joseph's shop hung the sign, our yokes are easy. I don't know about that, but uh, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Jesus is aware. He's not blind to the realities of life. He's not blind to your burdens. He's not blind to people who are tired, exhausted, in pain, discouraged. And he says, listen, he he, he wants to give you something to, to, to help you carry those. And his, he says to you, take my yoke upon you. You know, he, he wants you to, 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 to surrender to him. He wants to carry the load with you. He wants to lift that load off your shoulders, distribute that weight off your shoulders, and go into tomorrow with you, that you might not go alone. You know, Jesus died alone, that we would never have to ever be alone from his presence. But then the third uh, imperative, the third command that Jesus gives us is learn. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You know, the yoke is something that he wants us to learn about. Um, These heavy burdens which religion puts on men and women's shoulders What Christ is saying here in this passage is, watch me, get close to me, avoid religion, come to me, relationship, watch me. He says, come to me whatever your burdens are, leave aside your burdens, come to me. You know, the the Greek for gentle, when Jesus says he is gentle, I'm gentle, the Greek well, that means uh, a character of a person who's humble, who's not harsh, a person who's not reactionary, someone who is, is very understanding, someone who would rather embrace you than point the finger at you. Jesus is saying here, come to me. I am approachable. I will not react against you. I will not be harsh with you. You can tell me anything and I will not react against you. I am approachable. 
And he goes on to say that he is lowly in heart. Now, the term in Greek, uh, whenever we're talking about lowliness in the New Testament, um, it, it refers not to a virtue, but it refers to a sense of humility in the sense of destitution. When someone is lowly, life's hit them tough. When someone is lowly, life's hit them hard. The waves of life have hit them, and they're struggling. And Jesus is saying, that's me. I'm on the same plane as you are. I'm going through life, and I've experienced in pain. I was thrown out of the synagogue in my own hometown. I know what rejection feels like. I've wept at the grave of Lazarus. I know what those feelings are. Just come to me. I will not be pushing you away. I will not be harsh with you, no matter what your burdens are, no matter what mistakes you've made. I will not be harsh with you. Come to me. Come to me. Take my yoke upon you. Whatever you're carrying at the moment, I will help you carry it. I will carry the load with you. We'll go in to tomorrow with you. I'll go with you into the hospital this weekend, for, this week for the checkup. I'll go with you to the doctors to hear the results. I'll go with you. I'll be with you every step of the way. Um, you know, this, the, this passage, there's only three verses, and I've heard it read very oh, many, many times. But it's not a little tablet that makes you feel better. This is something Jesus says we have to learn. This is something we're called. Disciples mean, means learner. This is something we have to learn. These are habits we have to develop because we've got so dependent upon ourselves. We've got so used to being independent that this is difficult at times. We can't just turn over a new leaf and suddenly to become dependent on God. But but what we need to do is to learn a, a new habit, to make it a habit that each day that we come, we come to him, and if we have burdens, we surrender them to him. Make it a good habit in your life. Make it something that you learn, that you develop. Um, you know, Jesus wants this relationship with you. He really does. He really wants this relationship with you. And the more that we meet him one-to-one, face-to-face, the more that habit will develop, the more that dependence will come. As we listen to Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, we sit at his feet. As we listen to the little parables he gives, which are like little lunch boxes, which he can put in our minds and in our hearts. They're easy to remember. As we sit at his feet each day in our own quiet times, you know, then that's, that's, we develop those habits. Jesus said, you know, when you pray, when you pray, go into the closet. Now, uh, in, in New Testament times, the house had this middle room, you know, the type of place where you throw the hoover and the, and the, br- the brush and the pan and all of that. And Jesus says, get alone, go into the closet and shut the door and make sure you have time with the Father and talk to him. And by doing that each day, that habit of instead of depending on ourselves, leaning on ourselves, carrying the burden alone, we come to him. Father, I place into your hands the things that I can't do. Father, I place into your hands the things that I've been through, some painful things, but I give them to you. It's a good habit to develop. It's a great habit to develop. He says, all who are heavy laden, all who are burdened, you know, that's anybody can come to him. That's the invitation. You've been through a tough time. You've cried, and Jesus has seen you crying behind the blinds when no one else was there, and no one else saw you. He sees you. And he says, come, let me carry the load with you. You're not meant to carry it alone. Let me carry the load with you. You know, as we read the word of God, his 
The written word leads us to the living word, namely Jesus Christ. Leads us to him. Leads us to him. Just in closing, I just want to read a quote from Paul. And Paul had been through some very severe times, beatings, where he'd been left dead. He'd been shipwrecked three times. He'd been in the water, sitting, treading water for a couple of times. He just had been in prison, seems like more times than enough. And here he writes in 2 Corinthians 4.16, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Look at the bruises on my arms, my face, my eyes. Look at, look at me, I've lost weight. But I, and I feel the pain. But he says, I'm, that's outwardly. Outwardly. But we have not lose, lost heart. Inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. I'm meeting with Christ no matter what prison I'm in, no matter what city I'm in, no matter what beatings I've had. I'm meeting with Christ every day. That's my priority. And you know what? Rest is not a matter always of going away on holiday. I love going on holiday, but it's not often a matter of going on holiday. Rest, often peace comes, the peace of Christ, which passes all understanding, comes in the greatest storms of our lives. Now, we don't have to understand the peace of God, but we can experience it in the storm. He brings the, uh, the rest Every human being longs for, he brings that rest. Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our tomorrow. He is with us. He will never leave us or forsake us. That's his promise. Just come to me. Just take my yoke. Let us share the load together. He says, learn from me. Learn from me. I'm gentle. I'm lowly. Totally approachable. I'm on the same wavelength as you. I'm living the life with you. What a lovely invitation. What a beautiful invitation. Let's just pray. Father, these dear people here, Lord, I do not know them. I'm looking forward to getting to know them. But I don't know their backgrounds. I don't know what they've been through. I don't know their hurt. I don't know their tears. But you do. And Lord, you're the one that I'm pointing them to, that they may come and just lay everything down before you and start to become God-dependent rather than independent. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Amen. Amen. So we're going to finish, and this is a, a, a song that I want to sing in faith for this year, uh, for individual lives, but also for the life of the church as we go forward, as I get to know you and you get to know me, and, and we move together and work together. Be thou my vision, Christ before me. Christ behind me, be thy my vision.
Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen.